It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Thursday, all you Gamecocks. I was going to play Staying Alive by the Bee Gees as the intro song for the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily right here. Uh, but decided against it. I was like, well, you know, uh, it's it's implied. Last night, South Carolina, this is J.C. Sherbert, by the way, South Carolina survives Stay alive for the NCAA tournament uh, at large berth that they're in the mix for um, to get to 17 and 11, 94 to 90 in overtime against Georgia. Um, you know, listening to Frank Martin after the game, I, I agree with him. I, I think Carolina played somewhat well. Um, I think Georgia, watching them, and I've watched them several times this year, you know, this is a team that's that's very young, that has a superstar, obviously, in Edwards. And he went off last night. Um, and, and they can beat anybody. I mean, they just they're, – they're so young this year that, that there's times, like the game against Carolina and Athens, where I, I think they just didn't – they didn't know what hit them in terms of Carolina's ability to play defense. Uh, you know, there's other times, you know, this year where they've gotten up off the mat. They beat Tennessee at home, 90 to 63. They upset Auburn at home. They had Florida down 20 something in Gainesville. The Gators came back. It was the largest comeback in Florida history. Um, you know, so I think I think Tom Crean and his team are, you know, getting somewhere. Now, some of these guys are going to leave. Obviously, Edwards is probably one and done. So we'll see what happens uh, if they'll be young again next season. But, you know, even outside of Edwards, they have some good young players. Uh, and, and they were on a roll, uh, uh, as much as you could be on a roll. I mean, you know, they beat Auburn and then they won at Vanderbilt. So they had a 2-0 and week while the Gamecocks had an 0-2 week. But nevertheless, you know, I, I think one of the things that's happened with this team when they've won this year, there are times when – the, the star players, if, if you want to call them star players, you know, and I would say Lawson, Cousinard, uh, and Coates are would all fit in that category, where maybe they're not on or they're in foul trouble or something, and other guys step up. Now, last night, Alonzo Frink stepped up in a big way. Um, and, and I've always been high on Frink. And, you know, I, I think his defense sometimes is a liability. I think sometimes he loses confidence on offense. But last night, he was a confident player on the offensive end, 22 points before fouling out. Jalen McCrary, who's back from an injury, continues to be uh, what I think's a, um, a good blue-collar type player. He's in the right place at the right time, getting rebounds, uh, finishes well. You know, he doesn't have the, the brick layup kind of deal. And then Coatsar in the second half was money. I mean, the mid-range jumpers working for him. Uh, I remember last year when Coatsar missed 19 free throws in a row. <laughs> we all remember that. Um, down the stretch last night, he got to the line and nailed him. Ice water in his veins. He's playing like a senior. <clears throat> Excuse me, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so hats off to him as well uh, for playing playing good. Um, but McCreary and, and Frank obviously in the first half played well. I thought Cousinard settled in the second half. A.J. Lawson kind of, you know, looks sometimes out of control, but Man, you step up, you make that big three. I mean, there at the end with the game in the balance, you know that's what winners do, and and that's what that's what guys do. You know that are that have the type of aspirations as a player that AJ Lawson does. Sometimes it's not what happens to you; it's how how you respond. And he did not really have a great game. Uh, he's out of control sometimes. 
um, before that. And, and, and I think getting there and doing it um, helped his confidence moving forward into a huge game in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Um, Keyshawn Bryant, you know, and I, I mentioned this about Jalen McCrary being a blue-collar type player. That's who Keyshawn Bryant needs to become. Frank Martin touched on this in his press conference. You know, great athlete. He's going to get you the high. He had a highlight dunk last night. Um, he's going to get you the high-flying plays near the rim. But, you know, playing defense, rebounding, that type of thing, um, if he can bring that part of his game on, he can continue to be valuable. He, he doesn't do the team any good, you know, taking 18-foot jumpers or dribbling off his leg trying to drive to the basket. Um, but inside, you know, with how he can jump, and, and you can see kind of that coming, that part of his game coming on. It's his second straight double-double. Um, so if he can play with him and in himself – you know, I think Keyshawn Bryant could be a guy that could step up. I mean, they're missing Justin Minaya, who normally does that role for them, the kind of blue-collar rebounding guy that can, you know, play guard some. And Minaya's got, you know, a better outside shot and a little more skill. But uh, I think that, you know, Bryant has helped. Bryant and McCrary both have stepped up uh, while the Gamecocks have Minaya on the bench or with a hand injury. Hopefully they get him back for March. Um, it's going to be a shame if this team does not make the tournament and then they get Mania back and they make the NIT and go on and win it or something. Um, you know, nothing wrong with hanging an, another NIT championship banner. Uh, although that, that tournament, because of the way they let the mid-majors in, I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, the way they let the mid-majors in, it's, it's not what it used to be. It's basically a teams that don't want to be there that should have made the NCAA uh, versus – you know, teams from lower conferences that are looking to, you know, chicken hawk and knock off bigger conference teams. Um, that's just kind of how it is, uh, you know, because you don't really get into the, hey, we went 17 and 15 this year in a major conference. That's a, that's a good year. You know, let's go see, try if we can build on it in the NIT. You don't have that anymore because, you know, they let uh, – there's all kinds of upsets in these mid-major tournaments. And those teams go to the NCAA, and then you got, um, you know, the NIT automatic bid, and so it's it's just kind of one of those things that I don't I'm not I'm not a fan of it. Just like I'm not a fan of college football bowl games, half of them being you know Mountain West number four versus Conference USA number three, and all that. I think you know a little more spice in the matchups, maybe throwing some Power Five teams down to play some of those teams would be more intriguing at times. Um, but anyway, that's uh, I, I did enjoy the hell out of the Booker Raton Bowl this year, though. I'll tell you that, you know, I'll be honest, football's football, but you know, NIT, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be a shame, I think, if they get Mania back for the NIT if they don't make the NCAA tournament, and then all of a sudden you see that this team really was an NCAA tournament team, and I believe it is. And uh, they were talking, uh, the announcers last night, and I'm not going to name them by name because you know. That's not my favorite play-by-play crew <laughs> uh, to, in, for a number of reasons, not just the one you probably think. But, um, you know, they, they were talking last night about the Gamecocks and compared to all these other bubble teams about the Q1 and Q2 wins. And, and I, I want to point this out again because I think this is important. And remember, Arizona State had a net rating of 75 last year and made it. Um. Now, were they trying to throw the Pac-12 a bone because they didn't have very many teams? I don't know. But but keep that in mind, okay? Um, 
So the Gamecocks right now, Q1 and Q2 wins have seven. That's more than like uh, most teams, including three Q1 wins and two Q1 wins on the road. Um, that's more than any other team on the bubble right now. And, you know, yeah, maybe that's not good enough to get them in with a net ranking in the 60s right now if, if the, the tournament was selected today. But there's more opportunity. And, and I know the net didn't go up after the win last night. I'm still convinced that this efficiency thing, um, which is if you look at how the net, how they explain the net on the NCAA website, the, the efficiency deal is like the second thing they consider. You know, in terms of uh, after the wins and, like, who did you beat, whatever. And I also want to point out, too, that the adjusted winning percentage is hurting the Gamecocks right now because for every 1.4 points you get for a road win, if you don't win your home games, that's minus 1.4. doesn't matter who you play. The Gamecocks have lost some home games. I mean, even though they're Q1, you lost to Houston, you lost to Florida, you lost to LSU at home. Um and so that's something that I think's maybe dragging them down a bit. But still, winning the Georgia game means the Gamecocks, you know, are still there. You know, they're still hanging in there. Uh, you know, and then there's the margin of victory thing, too, that's, you know, capped at 10 points. So, you know, winning by four doesn't help you there. Gamecocks were a five-point favorite last night. Um, so, so we'll see. But here's the thing, back to the Q1 and Q2 victories. Um, and here's why the Gamecocks literally – um, could play their way in, I think. Because regardless of the net ranking, you know, that what they do is they spit out the net rankings and then they have a card and they go, you know, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q... You look at the, the card for more, you know, data on a team. And they use Ken Palm, which, again, I'm not a fan of and all this other stuff. But, you know, they, they look and they see, well, you know, this team has this many wins. You know, who did you beat? Where'd you beat them? Um... And so looking at it right now, you know, you have seven. And, folks, pull for the University of Massachusetts Minutemen. You know, that game was way back in December. Carolina won on the road in, in, I guess it's Amherst, Massachusetts is where they are. (laughs) Maybe not. Um, Anyway, at UMass, they won by four. Big win in December. You know, UMass's net ranking has kind of been in the 170s, whatever. Well, they're up to 139. So they are four spots away from graduating into that Q2 territory, you know, because the Gamecocks beat them on the road. And it's 76 through 130, uh, I believe, on the road. And so 76 through 135. So they're four spots away. So pull for them (laughs) big time. Um, You know, Missouri – is rising. They're about 10 spots away from being a Q2 win. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen for Georgia. You know, Texas A&M, even though they've been winning, bafflingly is in the 120s. Um, they don't really have a lot of bad losses either. I don't, I don't know what that deal is. Again, I think it's this efficiency deal because A&M does not play a beautiful brand of basketball. And that sucks because I don't think we should be punishing teams for style. I just don't. And I understand that when they did this, it was like, well, we're going to look at the teams that are successful in the tournament and then set, you know, parameters. Well, well this team has great efficiency, so they ended, they ended up winning because they did this. 
but I think you have to account for the teams that, that are, you know, the Oakland Raiders just win, baby. I mean, I, I honestly do. I don't, you know, Texas A&M has some good wins this year um, in, in a conference. I, I don't, I don't know why they're one seventeen and potentially going to miss the NIT, you know, because of it. So um, that's just my thing there. Uh, you know, Clemson is 76th. Um, they need top 75 status to be a Q1 win, which was by double digits on the road. Uh, they play Florida State this weekend, so there's a golden opportunity for the Tigers there. And unfortunately, if you're a Gamecock, you got to pull for Clemson. Reminder to everyone, Boston University, the loss back in November, is a Q3 loss, not a Q4. Now, was it a bad loss? Yes. Was the loss to Stetson in some ways unforgivable? Yes. Were those two losses terrible? Yes. But it's not as bad as having two Q4 losses. Okay. Um, and they continue to win. Boston U actually continues to win pretty good. Um, and Stetson's actually not been terrible in their league. So, you know, you, you look at it. So, so let's say UMass makes it. So that's eight. Gamecocks win at Bama this weekend. That's nine. Q1, Q2. Because Bama's a solid Q1 regardless. Um, unless the bottom falls out. Gamecocks beat them and then the bottom falls out. They're up in the 30s, 40s right now. So you beat Bama. You beat Mississippi State, which is, you know, a Q2 because they're top 75. I don't see them falling out of 75. So that's, you know, so UMass, Bama. So that UMass is eight if they can keep winning. Bama's nine. Mississippi State's ten. Vandy, I think, is too far gone to be – a Q2, they're like 147. Maybe if they upset some people, they get in the top 135. I doubt it. So that's a Q3. So then you're sitting at 20 and 11. So then you go to the neutral site. So keep in mind, you're 20 and 11 with 10, It provided all that happens, Q1 and Q2 wins. Okay? because And the reason I'm talking about all this right now is because the, the bracketology guy, not Lenardi, the other one, was like, you know, he speculated today the Gamecocks would have to, you know, beat a couple of teams and reach the SEC tournament championship game and all that. I just don't know that that's the case. And if that is the case, then why are we even talking about Q1 and Q2 wins? If you're just going to go straight by the net, then, you know, number one, the net needs to be revamped because there's some some stuff there that just doesn't make any sense. Um, but number two, I mean, why are we even talking about Q1, Q2? Why? So, um, so that's the deal. So, uh, I, uh, you know, so all right. So you're at ten going into the tournament, unless you play Vandy, and then you know the Gamecocks will probably be like around fifth. So they'll play twelve versus thirteen. You know, neutral site Q one Q two is one through a hundred. So you got to play a top one hundred team. There's only two teams outside of the top one hundred in the SEC: A and M and Vanderbilt. I don't know that the Gamecocks want to play A&M for a third time, but A&M's up there in the standings, so their seeding's going to be pretty high. You know, so you get another chance. So that could be 11 if you, if you win that game on, when is it, Thursday. So you get to Friday. Then you probably have a chance at a Q1 win. So you could get 12. So if you can get to the semifinals of the SEC tournament, the Gamecocks could be sitting on 12 Q1 or Q2 wins with 22 wins and you know, 12 losses, assuming they go out in the semis. And I just don't see how you keep that team out. I mean, because you're basically saying we're keeping you out because of your efficiency. 
And because of, you know, I guess the, the, the I don't even want to say the brand of basketball because the Gamecocks play at a high tempo. Um, you know, you're keeping them out maybe because they don't hit free throws or, or whatever, field goals, whatever. Poor shooting nights. That that shouldn't matter. I mean, you want to count that a little bit, that that's fine, but that shouldn't that shouldn't be, you know, the guiding force. Um, you know, and I, I think that's one of the reasons Virginia uh, hasn't moved up in the net because they, they don't score a whole lot of points, which I think's BS. Last year, I mean, Virginia's won eight of nine games in the ACC, which regardless of what the numbers say is a great basketball conference. All right? Eight of nine games. They're 20 and seven overall. They have very little in terms of bad losses. And they're stuck in the 50s, and everybody's talking about them being on the bubble, which I think is horse crap, you know? Not just because Carolina went up there and beat them, but I think I think the fact we're talking about Virginia being on the bubble is because they they school, play play games in the fifties and they don't score a lot of points and they're not a great shooting team like they were last year. Well, that's crap because they're still winning. The, the The bottom line is winning, and, and defense is supposed to count as much as I, I don't know. I don't know, but Gamecocks get to twelve Q one and Q two wins. I, I just don't see how they can keep them out. Um, I even think if they get that far, you send them to Dayton, that's BS. But anyway, I, I don't know. You know, it, it makes me nervous when it wasn't Lenardi, but it was the other guy that was like, oh, they, they have to make the SEC tournament championship. Because, you know, look, you got a chance, depending on what UMass does and what Clemson does, to really booster the re- bolster the resume with other teams' performances. And then you you have a chance to win, you know. Uh, you got a Q one and Q two opportunity coming up in your last couple of games, and maybe a miracle will happen and Vandy will get hot and move into the top one thirty five. That'll be another Q two win if you can go up there and get that done. Which that would be the mother of all crap if uh, Gamecocks beat Bama and Mississippi State and lose at Vandy. You can't do. Vandy's playing well or better. Um. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think that, you know, last night was a, a good step in the right direction. Uh, I think 17 wins. Uh, that tops the total of last year's win total, and they'll probably have more. You know, I think all, you know, you lose to Bama this weekend, you're, you're looking at having to make a hell of a run in the SEC tournament probably to the championship game, so you're right. You know, he'd be right if, if you lose to Bama this weekend. Uh, but the Gamecocks are due against the Crimson Tide. Uh, just like last night, I felt like Georgia, you know, Carolina's now beating Georgia eight times in a row. Basketball, those streaks like that, unless you're Kentucky, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, teams will jump up and bite you. And like I said, I thought Georgia, I think Georgia's got some good players. So we will see what happens in um weekend preview coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about that game. All right, football recruiting news. And, you know, I, I said after last year that this 2021 class is going to be a struggle. I don't know that I expected, you know, a division team, other than maybe Georgia, if they came in and pushed for a guy, uh, to come in and, and take a player that, you know, South Carolina probably was the overwhelming favorite for in Justice Boone. But Justice Boone commenced to Florida last night. And um, I want to make sure I get this right because this is an interesting strategy on the part of the Gators. This comes from Blake Alderman. This was the article before uh, he commits. Now, 
he's talking about Coach Coop. And Coach Coop is David Cooper, the assistant director of player personnel at Florida. David Turner, uh, who coached at Vandy and Alabama under Shula and some other places, is the D-line coach down there. Um, You know, a lot of kids go to Florida and visit this time of year and love it. It's Florida. I love to visit Florida this time of year. Everybody loves it, you know, and I understand. And it's the Florida Gators, and they've got tradition and obviously some history, and they've been playing well. So, obviously, it's an attractive program. Uh, But I do think this is interesting. Carlos Dunlap, we all remember him from North Charleston, tweeted at him. And he said it was exciting. It was out of the blue. I didn't think about it. Coach Coop, again, this player personnel guy, and I were just talking, and he mentions the player personnel guy multiple times in the article, Justice Boone does. So obviously there's a relationship there. How We're just talking about how Carlos Dunlap came to Florida from South Carolina, and it was exciting. He showed his butt off, and he did what he needed to do to get to the next level. Keep in mind, South Carolina at the time had one of the best defensive lines in the country, and he probably would have showed his butt off at South Carolina too because he was a talented guy. Maybe it would have been even better. Um. He can provide for himself now and the rest of his family because Florida got him right. Okay. Um, This is something a lot of folks use when they're recruiting against South Carolina. They can't really do it against Clemson these days because Clemson's winning. But you have guys from small towns. And this is how how Florida got Carlos Dunlap. Um, uh, This was their pitch to him. You know, before South Carolina kind of messed it up on that end, that's a that's a that's a story for the off season. But um, you know, this is a pitch that in the mid two thousands to guys like Robert Quinn and Carlos Dunlap, and you know, some guys that went out of state, uh, Gary Gray. You know that hey, you need to get out of there. You know, you need to come here and get right. You know, because you know they can't do it for you there. Blah blah blah. And and you know. At that point in time, you, you kind of look back and you're like, well, you know, that's they hadn't won a lot of games under Spurrier yet, and they were behind in facilities and didn't really have an academic center. So you, you had that ammo against the University of South Carolina uh, if you wanted to use it. So this is why I think this is antiquated and dumb in terms of strategy because it's easily refutable. You look at all the things South Carolina has now, and the, the long, long line of players from within the state that are having unprecedented success in not only in the NFL, but in life, um, and the players that have come through the program. I mean, South Carolina, you know, you want to talk about wins and losses? That's fine. But, you know, that's an argument South Carolina's not going to win right now. But you want to get into this thing that people have done over the years where oh you got to get out of there to make something of yourself that that's a that's a common basketball prospect argument which is just complete crap you know complete crap and I agree some kids need to get away from home I don't think Justice Boone I'm, I'm, I haven't heard that Justice Boone is one of those guys um you know so I think that if, if Will Muschamp and his staff counter that and say hey you know you, you don't have to go all the way down there to, to do this and do that and do the other. Carlos Dunlap was a long time ago. He was class of 2007. Yeah, that's, that's about a decade and a half ago. The Gators were winning national championships then. Carolina, I think, 
Best year they had at that point was going to the Liberty Bowl under Spurrier. Um, Outback Bowl under Holtz a couple years before that. I mean, you know, it's a completely different situation at South Carolina now. And, again, I'm not comparing the two programs um, in terms of wins and losses right now because, obviously, if if he had sat there and said, well, Florida's winning and South Carolina's not, um, you know, that's, that's that's an argument that you can't, you know, that's tough. Stuff for a coaching staff to do, but it looks like that the the Cooper guy and Carlos Dunlap here have uh, taken the approach that you know it's just better for your life to come to Florida as opposed to staying in South Carolina. And if you just want to talk about life, I don't know that that's true. You know, in terms of you know you're not going to make the NFL if you come to Carolina but you will at Florida i mean i you know is todd grantham still the defensive coordinator there i you know so it, it, it I, i'm kind of beside myself in terms of the the strategy they used um and, and look I, I don't know why boone i mean boone may just want to be a gator boone may have gone down there fallen in love with the place he's going to be a gator he's going to play in the swamp period in the story and that happens it's bad when it happens, but when you go four and eight, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that kind of thing is going to happen. And it sucks because for the Gamecocks, because the 2021 class is not deep in state. And so you need all those guys. You know, Boone is a high upside defensive end type, uh, you know, that, that I think probably will need a red shirt and, you know, all this other stuff. I mean, but he's a guy that certainly, you know, could contribute on the D-line. He, he's the type of guy you got to get. He, him, the guy from Gaffney, Ingram Dawkins, who has a lot of offers, uh, you know, if you the kid from Wagner, Sally, you know, that kind of thing. So 100% absolutely that's not a positive to lose Justice Boone, one of the top players in the state, who you were the first to offer um, to a division rival. You know that those, you never talk about one guy hurting you, and one guy fundamentally doesn't. But the ones that hurt are the ones that go to teams on your schedule, and that are right in your backyard. That that's that that can kill you. You know, we all saw Tennessee in the '90s win a national championship with a bunch of kids from South Carolina. You know, we all saw AJ Green set records at Georgia, although AJ I think lost some to the Gamecocks during his career. Uh, you know, from Somerville, South Carolina. You know, we, we've seen that. Uh, Will Muschamp and his staff have done a good job, and Clemson too, of keeping top guys in state. You know, you, you rarely see anybody but maybe Georgia come into the state of South Carolina and get a player that either Clemson or South Carolina won't. That's just how it is. And you don't want – cracks in that armor but that's when I was talking about you know hey you know you can't just say oh well, you know you know if you fire Muschamp after last year you know things are going to be in chaos and you're going to get further behind because you know you have a bad class this year it's going to put you behind it's going to put you behind and there's still holes on the roster so you know, that, that's the thing, but that's the challenge. And, and that's what I said. I think it's going to be a challenge. Now, can they recover? You know, and I'm not overreacting over Justice Boone. I'm just saying, can they recover? Can they get Boone? I think so. I say, especially if the, 
you know, like I said, the, the argument was this is just this better place for your life and South Carolina someplace where you're never going to succeed. I mean, that's the Lane Kiffin pumping gas argument. And I think that argument has been settled. Now, if it's just about football, you want to go to a winning program, Gators have been winning, they have been, great. Just about football, fine. You know, but Carlos Dunlap, and he did, he got drafted, probably could have been a first rounder, in my opinion. Uh, had he come to South Carolina. Uh, but he, he went to Florida, and I think he was drafted and provides for his family and you know, has had a great career. And that's why we ranked him, what, fourth in the country when he came out of Fort North Dorchester. But, you know, you know Carlos Dunlap, I mean, that, that, that's not, you know, there's not a long line of players, you know, besides Carlos Dunlap during the past 15 years that have left the state and all of a sudden – been like, man, I'm glad I left the state. Boy. I mean, like I said, that, that's a common argument with uh, men's basketball these days, um, which I also think is ridiculously stupid. Um, I think selfish, stupid people make that argument, um, you know, and, and cause kids to believe that the state they grew up in and the university that's there, um, and really in basketball, both universities, um, that could, you know, honestly set them up for life in the place that they're from uh, is some sort of, you know, hindrance to their dreams. And then you look around and you see, you know, guys that transfer back. Uh, you see guys that go other places that don't play a whole lot, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you sort of wonder what the motivation was. Because I mean, it's not even like guys going in basketball, like they don't even go to Blue Bloods. It's not like, you know, the, the, like Seventh Woods going to North Carolina. Hell, that was – it's North Carolina. Zion Williamson going to Duke. Heck, it's, it's Duke and Zion Williamson. I mean, that's, that's going to happen. I mean, Michigan State and Michigan have really good basketball programs. There are players from Michigan that go elsewhere. I mean, that's just basketball. You're going to – you're not going to get everybody. But some of these guys that, you know, South Carolina wanted – I mean, like like Morant going to Murray State was the most. I mean, whoever. <laughs> anyway, and he was a Sumter kid too, so I, I don't know, you know. But that's that's like I said, a basketball argument that I think's crap. That for you know, for for the good of your life, and and this is generally speaking. I'm not talking about the individual player that. Um, you know, has a bad home life, maybe some bad influences around him that, that needs to get away because there are those situations in everywhere, South Carolina, Georgia, Louisiana, uh, Alabama, New York, California, wherever you want. There are guys that need to get away from home, and you just got to wish them well. I've heard nothing about Justice Boone being one of those guys, uh, and nothing has indicated that. So... You know, I think the argument that your life, you know, is somehow going to be better because you go to a state, two states away, you know, that's a good state, it's a sunshine state, and leave little old South Carolina, I think that is an argument of the past, um, especially when you're talking about the opportunities uh, that the University of South Carolina uh, and Clemson, Clemson didn't offer him, so I'm not talking about Clemson. You know, can provide these days for student athletes. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a pretty solid deal. 
you know, and it's come a long, long way in the past 20 years. And so point of all that is not to get fired up. I I think that if that's the the decision and and that's kind of, I'm just going off the article and the quotes and you've got a guy down there that's the assistant player personnel guy trying to make his mark and, you know, he wants to pull that rabbit out of his hat. You know, I think that's easily refutable. Easily refutable. It's it's the pumping gas argument Lane Kevin tried to use on Alshon Jeffrey. And I think there's a line of guys, uh, including a player from South Carolina that was the number one player in the country, you know, that was the first pick in the NFL draft that actually did play up to his potential in college, uh, that will tell you that, no, that's not the case. They could have gone anywhere in the country. So, you know, I think that's kind of easily refutable there. And, you know, we'll see kind of how it goes. Um, so we'll see what Justice Moon does. Another recruiting thing that people have talked about is J.J. Jones, the wide receiver from Myrtle Beach, who I like a lot. I think he's a really good player. Uh, I think he's Brian Edwards. You want to know the truth. Um, I don't know why there is a delay in offering him. Or, you know, look, I, I think honest to God, if the Gamecocks wanted to, they could fill out their entire receiving recruiting this year with guys from within the state of South Carolina and not miss a beat because there's fast guys and there's big guys like Jones. There's good players. Um, and, look, to be honest, uh, you know, if you think about it for a minute, most of the receivers at South Carolina that have panned out over the years have been from the state. I mean, you got Farrell Cooper from North Carolina. You got Ace Sanders from Florida. Um you know, Edwards of South Carolina, Debo South Carolina, Shai Smith this year will be South Carolina, uh, Bruce Ellington, South Carolina. Um, yeah, keep going on down the list here. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, obviously, South Carolina. Nick Jones, who I think had an underrated career, wasn't an NFL guy, was a heck of a receiver, South Carolina. Um, Kenny McKinley was Georgia, but Troy Williamson, Sidney Rice, South Carolina. Um, and so if, I, if, I'm, if I'm Brian McClendon, you know, I'm, I'm not overthinking this. Uh, so J.J. Jones, and I got off track there, uh, from Myrtle Beach, you know, Luke, one of Luke Doty's targets down there, uh, offered by Georgia. Interesting. Uh, and that kind of got some discussion going on the board. Uh, you know, Georgia offering an out-of-state kid, you never know if they're going to take him or not. They also offered Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney, but um, – you know, it may be an offer to come to camp. But still, you know, a kid says, I got an offer from Georgia. Carolina's like – and, look, Carolina has to be prepared to take him uh, if they offer him. But, I, you know, I, I think some of these guys in state at receiver, quite frankly, are no-brainers. I'm not a receivers coach. I'm just your humble recruiting analyst. I've been wrong about a lot of receivers over the years. And when I'm wrong, I usually overthink it. I'm usually like, oh, well, you know, this guy's – you know, a little skinny, and this guy's this, this guy's that. I, I think receiver's one where you just, you know, you can overthink it pretty badly. Steve Spurrier Jr., as far as just recruiting goes, overthought it a lot. I mean, you know, I can tell you just from what I know, he, he didn't want to take Ace Sanders. Oh, he's 5'8". Well, Ace Sanders <laughs> helped Carolina win some ball games. You know, he, out of high school, he didn't want Bruce Ellington. Um, and remember, Pharaoh Cooper was recruited as a uh, defensive back originally before Big Spurrier moved him to offense. You know, I mean, 
I, I think I, I see that a lot. Receivers coach Dabo Sweeney was that way as a receivers coach. I think he overthought things, you know, in terms of some guys he recruited, types of receivers he sort of fell in love with um, and wanted and could never replicate. Uh, Jeff Scott took those guys over and they went north, <laughs> you know, big time. Because Jeff Scott, I don't think, overthought it. So I think you can overthink things at receiver. That's a problem area. Tony and I talked about it yesterday. They've got to get better. Um, and, and whether that's the guys we're waiting on on campus or guys they bring in, they got to get better. And what you do not want to have happen, because it is one thing if you take the – like if you'd have taken Jalen Hyatt last year, let's say he was super fast but had the drops and was skinny and couldn't get off press coverage and all the, the reasons why you probably didn't take him – Nobody's going to get mad about that, you know. Um, but if you take a guy from out of state that can't play dead in a movie and you're, you can't have anybody that can get all – you still have the same set of problems. And Jalen Hyatt happens to go to Tennessee and catch a 75-yard touchdown pass against you in a game. Again, you have to play them every year. You're going to have a problem. You know, that, that, that almost erases a lot of the good recruiting you do, you know, when, when you – when there's good players from within the state that that are that play a position that the state is sort of known for. Think about it. I mean, South Carolina products are in the NFL as a wide receiver. I mean, next to defensive lineman, wide receiver, defensive back, and as we talked about the other day about safety, that's another head-scratching spot. But wide receiver DB is probably right there. You know, the state doesn't produce a running back that's great every year. They don't produce quarterbacks that are great every year. They don't always produce linebackers that are great every year. They certainly don't always produce offensive linemen that are great every year. But you, you can count on receiver, DB, and D-line just about every cycle. Um, and, look, every player is different. All these guys, you know, the kid at Dillon, uh, Jones from Myrtle Beach, uh, the kid from uh, Omega Blake from Rock Hill, they, they all may not be – they may not be good. They may not be good enough. Uh, so I'm not necessarily saying anybody's wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, when, when if, you, if you lose this kid, you better be damn sure that you're right, you know, and nobody bats a thousand. Because this, this is the type of thing in recruiting that can come back to haunt you big time. So, anyway, just a lot of recruiting stuff. Didn't mean to have the uh, angst and consternation there uh, in terms of recruiting. But And, and look, it's February 27th. We're just starting the 2021 cycle. There's a lot of anxiety about football right now just because of the season they had. Um, you know, you have to keep recruiting even if your state's down and you went 4-8. Uh, there's a lot of questions as to who they're going to end up taking, um, who they're going to go after. Um, plenty of time to put together a good class. Uh, but like I said, what you don't want to see is – hey, there's guys right here that are good enough that want to come, So, but you don't offer them and they go elsewhere. Or you see a division rival sneak in and get a kid on, a, on an unofficial visit in a tropical location. Gainesville's not tropical, but I'm sure it was warmer down there than it is uh, in South Carolina. A lot of beautiful babies walking around. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, and, and you lose them to a division rival because – you know, they're sitting there beating you up about something that you, you shouldn't be beat up about. 
You know, life, the, 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 the great escape from South Carolina life deal. You know, look, man, come on. You know, you go to the university, you go to Clemson, you're in a great apartment, you're eating three meals a day, you're in the, what, Dabo's fun house up there with the, with the slide and all that and, you know, playing ACC teams, hanging out with on the lake over the summer. I mean, yeah, oh, it's so bad for you to be in South Carolina. You go to the University of South Carolina – you know, you're 650 Lincoln in a vibrant city with plenty to do uh, in a $50 million ops building with a coaching staff that, that, you know, may not win a whole lot but can get individual players to the NFL. I mean, ask Javon Kinlaw about South Carolina, you know. Um, and, and, you know, so that's a bogus argument. I'll stand up for the state now. I mean – it's a bogus argument that you got to get, you got to go to Florida too. I mean, you know, you're not talking about, hey, I want to go to Alabama because I want Nick Saban to definitely turn me into an NFL guy. You're not talking about that. I mean, that's a, that's a strong argument. You know, you're talking about Florida, and you're talking about an assistant director of player personnel. That's, uh, you know, told you, hey, you know, Carlos Dunlap had to get out. You know, and look, good for him. If that's what gets it done, that's what gets it done. That's smart. But what I'm saying is the argument's bogus. But anyway, enough of the angst and consternation from recruiting. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you guys today. Um, don't forget tomorrow, the weekend preview of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. I, uh, I love doing this. I love the... Um, the monologue every day. And I hope you're enjoying it too. Please be sure to spread the word. Tell your friends, go to the iTunes or Apple podcast is what it's called. Now Uh, rate the podcast four or five stars. If you don't want to rate it that high or you got a complaint, maybe just shoot me a a PM on the big spur. Don't, don't put it out there in public. Uh, And I know it's not going to be for everybody, but subscribe there. Listen on Spotify. um, Just wherever, you know, you get podcast, you can, Definitely hook up uh, each and every day, most days, most weekdays, and um, especially today. And I'll be back tomorrow with uh, what will be the final podcast of the month of February because it'll be March by the Monday that I join you. Uh, this is J.C. Sherbert. Uh, this has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily edition, February 27th. Have a great Thursday, everybody. <laughs>